You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit oasiswaterloo.org. Morning all. The reading is from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 20. Unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as God wanted them to be. If they were all one part, there would be, there would be, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Amen. You're just uh, bear with me while we do the switch over. Okay, thank you very much, Kesma. Um, before we start, uh, will you just pray with me? God, we thank you that as we gather together, we know that we are all part of one body, that each of us is valued, each of us is loved, and each of us has a part to play. But as a community, we are also stronger together. So God, as we reflect on this idea, I pray that you would uh, speak to each one of us, help us to listen to what you have to say. And may anything that's a distraction, whether that's my words or whether that's the things uh, in our heads, that those things would fall away so we can concentrate on you. Amen. So good morning, everybody. Um, I'm also called Nathan. I realize that's confusing. So sometimes I'm referred to as Tother Nath. I can't say that with the Welsh accent. Or sometimes Piano Nath. But I always think in this place, if you need something, just say Nathan and someone will say yes. Um, But you don't need to be called Nathan to stand at the front. Just so if this is your first time, I want to be really clear about that. So uh, today I'm going to be giving the next talk in our Faith at Work series, building um, on what Heidi talked to us about justice and also what Chanju talked to us last week about inclusion. So I'm hoping uh, I can add something to that. I'm going to talk about how my faith impacts my work, my journey to my current role, but really I want to focus on some things that I hope are practical for all of us and that we all will find uh, helpful. So that's what I'm going to look at this morning. 
So in terms of what I do, uh, I'm an organizational psychologist. So what that means I specialize in is trying to use what we understand about human behavior through behavioral science to improve people's working lives. What that looks like is uh, I quite often uh, deliver training. So the photo on screen is me trying to look as enthusiastic as possible while I'm delivering training. Um, but we also provide a consultancy for organizations and I'm a researcher uh, as well. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Ultimately for me though, it all boils down to this central idea about helping people to thrive at work. So making work a place that is good for us is fundamentally uh, what my job is all about. Today, um, I was brought up as a good Baptist, so I've got three things that I want to talk to you about. Um, the first one is I'm going to talk about finding our path together, so looking for the thing in our lives um, that is going to give us satisfaction. Secondly, thinking about then some of the things I do in my job, talking about how we thrive as individuals, and then lastly, how we thrive together. So first of all, I want us to think about how we kind of choose our part in the world of work. What is it uh, that we want to do? I think for me, that circled quite often around the question on screen. What am I going to do with my life? Or quite often, and I still shamefully ask this question, what am I going to do when I grow up? You know, what are those questions that we do? As lots of Christians, I'm sure we try and answer that from a faith-based perspective. So the book shown on the left, I'm guessing lots of people have it gathering dust on a bookshelf at home. So this is Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, it was one of those books which I read and it made me feel even more inadequate about what I was doing with my life. Um, but both through that and through also things at work, I guess I've regularly sort of worked around this question of what is it that I want to do? What is it that I can do um, to serve? Now, in some ways, I could pretend that my career was a really straight line, because when I was 17 and I went to visit the careers service, so I'm old enough that in those days it was basically a whole rack of paper leaflets, yeah? And so one of the leaflets I picked up was, so you want to be a psychologist? So technically, I could argue that I went directly from what I first thought I would do when I was 17 to being it. But in reality, it's been much more like this. So the image on the screen for me conjures up the idea of the long and winding road. So today is not my day to sing, so I'm not going to sing McCartney at you, but hopefully you've all got it in your heads. Because this is a picture um, from the Southwest Coast Path. Uh, so this is in North Cornwall, heading towards Land's End. And what I kind of love about the Coast Path is in some ways it's super simple. You just go from A to B. Technically, you can't get lost, although I will confess I have got lost. I'll tell those stories another time. Um, but actually, because it kind of winds its way around the coastline directly, it takes an awfully long time and an awful lot of twists and turns to actually get anywhere. So it's really simple, but only when you view it from a really high level. When you're actually in it, you think, where am I headed to next? And ultimately, for me, that's been the truth of my journey. So... When I first left uh, university, I was a primary school teacher, so I did that for a couple of years, and then moved from there into the voluntary sector. So I worked uh, for two national charities, and I did all sorts of things for them. So providing educational services and programs for young people, I did some marketing, I did uh, some fundraising, I did some project management, and then in the end, I ended up in kind of learning and development. So, um, overseeing training of people. 
all sorts of things, and I feel incredibly blessed that lots of those things were meaningful. I was working for organizations that I felt made a difference and were doing something worthwhile, but ultimately not things that kind of felt right. There was still something uh, which wasn't quite right in there for me. So what I was able to do, though, through all of that experience, was try and reflect on what did I enjoy most, what were the things which felt like they were most um, authentically me? What was I kind of passionate about? And therefore, what did I feel the purpose of work for was for me? What could I do valuably in that space? So by identifying those things that felt important to me, I also found the things that fundamentally linked my work to my faith. Now, before I proceed with this idea what I want to do is give a massive health warning first, okay? So I'm going to talk to you about the dangers of using the word purpose before I proceed to talk to you about purpose. Now, some of you I might be familiar with this idea on screen, the Japanese idea of ikigai. Uh, so it gets quite a lot of traction on LinkedIn. You'll see it around. It's this idea that ideally what we want to search for is these things which bring together what we love, what we're good at, what the world needs, and what we get paid for. There is a massive amount of merit to this kind of thinking, okay? Where people look for the things where you feel a calling, yeah, the things you really are passionate about. But there's three dangers I think we have to be super aware of. So the first thing is I think it gives some of us a feeling of being lesser than. Because what if I don't know the answers to those questions? What if I don't feel like I've got a mission? What if I don't feel like I've got a purpose? What if I can't find the thing that sits in the middle? Or one of the dangerous things is, what if I think I found my vocation and then it all goes horribly wrong? That's what happened to me. I won't specify which one of my jobs, but that definitely happened to me. And therefore, I think it can give us this sense that we're meant to be these really passionate, purpose-driven people, but I'm not as good as everyone else because I can't find it. So if that's you, I want to start by saying, absolutely don't worry. I think that's really normal. Okay, And so sometimes we can go too far with that thinking. Secondly, it's a very privileged thing to be able to think about following your purpose in the world of work. Okay, There are actually very few of us who hold enough privilege to be able to stop what we're doing and just follow our passion. Because for most of us, work is a very instrumental thing. Yeah, We need financial security, we need to take care of our families, we need to do things, and therefore we have a job. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. So we might get really inspired by people on Instagram who've given up everything and followed their bliss, and that's great for them. Let's pray and be thankful for it. But don't feel there's pressure on all of us to do that, because I don't think that's realistic. And lastly, what I think can happen if we do find things that we're really passionate about, if we do find things that are our purpose, is that we can give too much. So I saw this a lot, particularly in the voluntary sector where people were really passionate, and I think the same goes for ministry, where actually we just keep pouring and pouring and pouring until we've got an empty cup. Yeah? What we find is lots of things like burnout in people who feel a really strong sense of calling because actually they think what they do is more important than them. We'll come back to that idea, but I just wanted to give that health warning before I talk about finding your purpose so you don't think I'm trying to ask you to do something that's impossible to do. Is that okay? But thinking about what does it mean to find that, I think 
for me, a lot of it boils down to trying to reflect on what it is that's important to you. What it is that you feel actually, uh, you know, you are motivated by, makes a difference for you. And then that can drive our choices, perhaps in where we work. But more importantly, I think it sometimes drives choices in terms of how we work. Or, if we're not in the world of work, this can drive our choices around how we volunteer, the role we play in our community, how we make all of those kinds of choices. So I think it's important uh, for all of us to think about what really drives us and therefore takes us forward. So um, there are models and uh, uh, frameworks for doing this. So one of those uh, is up here on screen. It's called um, the Career Anchors, which is a model by a psychologist called Edgar Schein. And he looked at what are those things which drive people's choices. Uh, don't worry if you can't read the graph. It's just that I wanted to reassure you there was some actual science behind what I was telling you. Um, so what it shows is my top career anchors. So the three things that are most important to me, and I would feel this resonates with what I kind of discovered through that long and winding road, is that it's really important to me to be of service. So to do something that makes a difference, to do something that helps other people, I want to know that there's some meaning behind what I do. But equally, the second thing that's important to me is this idea of lifestyle, which means for me, there is more to life than work. So when work gets to a point where it was stopping me from uh, living a healthy life, contributing to my church, then that for me became a real, a real barrier. I needed to be able to do both, right? Work is one part of our lives, not the end of it. Um, and then lastly, and uh, my husband can certainly tell you this is true, I have to have a sense of autonomy, okay? So I need to feel like I'm in control and I can be very stubborn. Not at work, he, bless him, gets the uh, brunt of that, really. Um, but those three things are three things which are important to me and therefore help me to make choices around what I do which are going to work for me. If you were interested in that for you, then if you follow the QR code on screen, you can do a short test, which will tell you what that's like. So if you save that to a tab in your browser for later, you can explore. Uh, if I click on before you've done that, don't worry, I will leave a sheet with all of them on at the front at the end. But I think if we understand those things that drive us, then we can make some of those choices. For me, what those things tell me is lots of that does link back to my faith. So the idea of being of service is how I fundamentally feel Jesus asked us to live with each other, that we need to serve each other, and therefore, for me, that's, that's really important. That links back to the reading that Keswa read for us. So um, we had that image there of the body of Christ where we all play a different part. What that image follows are these words from Paul. So he says, there are different kinds of service but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So he uses the picture of the body of Christ to help us think about this idea that we all serve in different ways. Now, I think because we tend to think of that in the angle of church, through the lens of church, what we think about are the roles we play here. Yeah, some of us are preachers, some of us do other things, some of us practice hospitality. I think we can actually think about that more generally in life. Yeah, so some of us, we might go into vocational ministry. We might be full-time for Jesus. But in reality, we can't all do that, can we? So we all have a part to play. We all have something. And we should put a value on that whatever part we play. So whether we work in retail, whether we work in finance or insurance, whether we work in the voluntary sector, whatever we do, 
we have a part to play because we're still the body of Christ and all of those things are valuable. Paul says later in the passage about how every part of the body has dignity and that's hugely important. So when we think about this image of the body of Christ in the context of work, I think we should remember that all of us have a part to play and we should value every single one of those parts. So for me, having worked through finding my own path uh, and now uh, doing my current role, I want to share with you two of the things that I love about my job. Two of the things I love about my job, which also, I believe, help me to live out my faith. And the first one is this thing about helping individuals to thrive. So it's one of the things I'm passionate about because I love helping people to learn and to achieve their potential. And therefore, the fact that I get to do that every day is one of the reasons I find it really fulfilling. So I want to talk about a couple of things that I would normally help people to do. So one of them is to think about understanding and using our strengths. So trying to identify those things which we are innately good at and are really special to us. If you haven't thought about that for yourself, then I want you to think about one thing first, and that's trying to step away from our typical lack mentality. And what I mean by that is, as humans, we are predisposed to focus on the negative in life, okay? It's just natural. The reason we do it is because our brains are trained to find threat. So therefore, we always focus on negative stimuli over positive stimuli, so bad things rather than good things. So our world kind of reinforces that, doesn't it? Because if you're on social media, you probably notice what other people do or what other people have that you haven't got. When you're at school, you might notice the subjects that other people are really good at and you're not as good at. And then when you get to work, it gets even worse, right? Because you spend most of your performance appraisals talking about the areas where you've not yet met expectations, yeah? Or what's your next development thing? And it always makes us tune into what are the things we can't do? I think we need to step away from that and really start to identify what are the things we can do really well. What are the things we are uniquely good at? And one of the ways I often get people to reflect on that is try and think of a time in your life where somebody has asked you, how did you do that? Or where they've asked you, why are you so good at that? And the answer is, I don't know. Okay, Because the chances are, if your answer to that question is, I don't know, what it means is, you just don't think about it. Yeah, It's one of those innate things where you've built on it over time to a stage where you're just not conscious of how you do that. So it might be that you know, after a, a difficult conversation with somebody that you were able to de-escalate, somebody says to you, wow, I wish you could do that, you're so good at that. And you say, I don't know how I did that. It could be because that's one of your natural strengths, right? Because once we know that, we can start to use them. Because we know when we play to our strengths, actually, we find things easier, we find them more fulfilling, and we get enjoyment out of it. So I say to people, in every job, there are bits that we hate. No job is free of it, okay? Whether it's the admin bit or something else, there's always the bit you don't look forward to. But if you can balance that out by also doing the things that bring you enjoyment, make sure no day is full of the things you hate but actually you've got something where you can play to your strengths. That's really effective. If you're interested in that, there are some uh, really good resources. Lots of them you have to pay for, though. Okay, So if you're willing to pay, have a look at Now Discover Your Strengths. Great book. But if not, a free way to start is uh, the tool that this takes you to is it uh, looks at your character. 
So it actually looks at what are your strengths of character? What is it about your personality which is uniquely strong for you and therefore you can play to those things, which again is something I think we don't often think about for ourselves. So in the same way, Paul in Corinthians, just before we get to this body of Christ, he talks about there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. And again, I think we jump to thinking about healing, teaching, preaching, tongues, but why do we have to restrict it to that? The Bible says we are each fearfully and wonderfully made. That means all the things which are unique about you, all of the things that you are amazing at, can be considered your gifts. They're all the ways that God has fit you uniquely to fulfill the part you play in the body. So if you can identify those strengths, I think we are then able to live life to its fullest. And secondly, in this bit, in order for us to thrive, I think we also have to make sure that we take good care of ourselves. So again, this is a big part of my work, trying to support people, uh, and as I said before, trying to ensure that we do take that time for ourselves rather than just serving others. So I'm going to give you five top tips to think about, things you can do. Uh, this is called the can-do challenge. I, I apologize to my small group because they've already heard this, but you can uh, go through this. So if you are able to do five things over the next week to take care of yourself, the first thing is mindfully connect with other people. Find that time to actually genuinely connect with somebody and work those things through. Find something to be active. Okay, that's very personal. That doesn't mean we all need to sign up for a 10K and start training tomorrow. Okay, sometimes it can just be that we need to get up from uh, our seat every now and again. Just make sure that we are moving about in our day. It genuinely will make you feel better. The third thing is about taking notice. So how often do we sit down and just be present in the moment rather than worrying about what's coming next? You know, Jesus said in John, didn't he, about letting tomorrow worry for itself. So actually take that time to just be present and notice. Discover is all about our brains love novelty, so we love to learn something new. So even if that's something tiny, whether it's reading a book, whether it's doing a little bit of reading, listening to a new podcast, doing something where we learn is super helpful for us. And then lastly, this idea of offering help. So giving to somebody else is also really key for our well-being. So that's the can-do um, challenge. If you want uh, more of this, then I will just plug the fact that the different podcast this month uh, by our own Jill Rowe is all about well-being and is a great exploration of the topic. So do give that a listen if you haven't listened to it already. But if we can do those things, even to a small extent, what it means is that we invest in ourselves. Uh, and I think, you know, Dave Parr talked to us about this alternative reading of John 3.16, where I was thinking about rather than the idea that God came to give us life that comes after this life, thinking about the fact that Jesus came to show us what living life to its fullest means. Yeah? And that is something we enjoy here and now. But we only enjoy life to its fullest here and now, I believe, if we also take care of ourselves, if we love ourselves the same way that God loves us. And then lastly, the second thing that I love about my job is trying to ensure that as we come together in environments like workplaces, that we actually help each other to thrive um, so that we sort of build those good environments where people are taken care of. The reason I'm passionate about that is because I have worked in some awful environments which have totally drained the life out of me. 
yeah? And I'm sure many of us have those kind of experiences where we walk into work, we dread it, and we walk out with our batteries completely depleted. So that's why it's important to me because I think we can change that. And I think we can think about how we do that regardless of like our position or whatever. So a few things I just want to uh, give you to think about. The first thing is ultimately how we serve each other when we're together can be down to the simplest of things. So actually how we sort of set a culture by noticing, by saying thank you to people, by offering support if people perhaps don't quite seem themselves. Those kind of small everyday acts we have uh, set the kind of tone. So whether we are a leader and have the opportunity to role model around that, or whether it's just about us showing up for other people, we therefore help to create an environment where people can thrive together. So if you're preparing for work um, tomorrow, then think about what might you be able to do to just offer that support or encouragement to other people. And then secondly, I just want to come back to something um, Chanju talked about last week, about looking for what opportunities do we all have to kind of shape our environment. So that could be that there are opportunities to get involved with extra bits. Like I would often say that things I'm proudest of having achieved over my career were nothing to do with my day job. They were the things that I signed up to do because I thought they were important, whether that's about an employee resource group or a network group or a project or just speaking up and using your voice. That will look really different for each of us, but I think if we look for what are those opportunities where we can make a stand for justice, where we can use what influence we have, then I think that is helpful. So uh, for me, when I uh, look at my research, you know, I focus on research around inclusion because it's one small thing I can do to move things forward, is to use that time that I have uh, to move that forward. And I think we use that because we know what a healthy community looks like. So again, in Corinthians, Paul says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So again, yes, we can think about that in the context of our church community. But ultimately, if our church community is just a model for what it looks like when we take care of each other and build a strong group of people, then we can take that with us into the world of work as well. We can think about how do we make sure that all the people we work with are honored? How do we make sure that all the people we work with um, are taken care of? So I'd encourage you to think about what does that look like in your week. So to wrap up, if we think about that powerful image that Paul gives us of the body of Christ, how each of us have this unique contribution, then hopefully we can think about what is our part in that body? What is that unique difference that we make and knowing that whatever that is, it is of value. Secondly, in order to do that, in order to play our part, we need to invest in ourselves and invest in thriving as an individual, whether that's about using our strengths or just about taking care of ourselves so we're not trying to pour from an empty cup. And then lastly, what can we do to thrive together? 
so that we show that love for other people and we follow the example Jesus set us in terms of serving each other. I hope that has been as use and thank you very much for listening. Brilliant, thanks Nath. Um, yeah, I invite Ben and the band to come. We'll sing one more song together and I'll pray for us before we do. Uh, as we sing that last song together, we'll pass around the offering buckets and the contactless card machine thing that we've got. Uh, for anybody who would like to donate to what we do here on a Sunday, uh, please feel free. There's no obligation. Let the buckets pass you by if you need to. We appreciate it. it's a, a difficult time for lots, but anything that you do give will go to the work that we do in this community, which looks like a food bank death advice, immigration, benefits and housing advice, a community farm, some youth work, some kids work, and a lot more things besides that. Um, let's stand if we're able, and I will pray for us and then hand over to Ben and the band. So this week, may we think about how we work or volunteer, and not just about where we work. May we take the time to invest in others May we take the time to support and encourage others, but may we also remember to take the time to invest in ourselves. God, help us to remember that there is a role for every one of us to play, and that whatever that role is, it is a unique and necessary contribution. God, this can be hard, but help us to focus on our strengths and not on what we lack. And as a result of this, may we thrive. And may we help those around us in our workplaces and beyond to thrive too. And to know more this week about what it means to live life and life in all its fullness. Amen.